When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin here listening on a Monday morning, but it is Sunday afternoon, late afternoon here for me. And uh, <laughs> some stuff just broke here that we will get to. Uh, if if you're listening now in the college basketball world, you know what we're talking about. But uh, before we get to that, Scott, I, I brought up something to you on text. Uh, so I was snowboarding today, headed out to the mountains, did some snowboarding, made the drive back, and I brought up to you the... You can you can separate this, I guess, but the mid snowboarding slash skiing, I guess if you're a ski there, Scott, I know you ski. Uh the mid skiing beer, the post skiing beer, you know, the the it's a normal podcast kind of ranking, like, well, rank the best beers. Is it the airport beer? Is it the beach beer? But there aren't too many winter beers. Like I think there needs to be like a summer Olympics and a winter Olympics. Like the summer beers and the winter beers need their own distinct categories because summer beers, there it's a different category, right? It's hot outside, cold beer, but there aren't too many great winter beers, and the skiing, snowboarding beer is elite. It it goes right toe to toe with any summer beer on the market. But there's some there's some subcategories of winter and skiing and snowboarding beers, right? So you have you were texting me about the like your day's over, you get home, you're you're through the right. greatest I, feeling in the world, which is home. taking your boots off. There's no better feeling, especially oh, skiers. Yeah. You'll know what I'm talking about. Getting those ski boots off after a long day, nothing feels better. But you've got like your drive home, your back. You maybe you got a fire going if you're lucky enough to have a fireplace, you know. And, uh, and you crack open that beer. That's a special one. Uh, there's a couple others, though. There's the share it with your chairlift mates, you know, and you just just one beer between, I don't know, four people and you got to drink it before you're at the top. Um, that's a classic, but sometimes feels a little rushed. My favorite is the like the sunny afternoon where at the bottom of the hill, it's like 40 degrees. Top of the hill is like 25. Right. So you ski down, you find a nice sunny spot to take the jacket off, take the helmet off. I think that's the best beer in all of winter for me. Like if you have your Mount Rushmore of winter beers, that's George Washington there, you know, staring down at you. 
Um, and then honorable mention the pond hockey beer because it's a, it's in a little bit of its own category, but certainly deserves its recognition. Yeah, I mean it's it feels like cheating to include this, you know, when we're talking about splitting summer and winter, but that you know random fifty five degree day in the winter and you can sit outside and have a beer. That's obviously a good one. But I don't know. Like I'm I'm not a big ice fisher. I'm sure ice fishing beers are fantastic, but there just isn't too much representation of the winter beers in the the Mount Rushmore of beers. So, yeah, that was one today. I I have another beer in front of me. So, you know, a whole day of snowboarding, some driving mixed in and a couple beers. If this thing gets loose, um, you guys will know why. But yeah, it was it was the first time snowboarding in a, a two years now. Last year we didn't get to go at all. You know, COVID, a bunch of other stuff going on. This was the first time out this year. And you know, when you're younger and there's you reach that point with your parents where you know they just can't hang anymore and they they'll go up and down three, four, five times, and then they just call it a day. And then they're like, All right, that's enough for me. I'm hitting the lunch. I'm grabbing a couple drinks. I got my book, you know, whatever it is. And I used to think like, what, you know, we drove all the way up here. You know, you're going to, you're only going to go on a couple runs and then go inside. Like, I get it now. <laughs> I I get it, man. My knees are killing me. My back is killing me. <laughs> I'm like, this is one day of snowboarding, dude. I, I, I'm washed. I don't know. Yeah, man. Kids and puppies, like they just beat the heck out of themselves. Like I watch kids do stuff now. And I swear they're made of like cooked spaghetti. I don't, I don't know how they, I mean, I'll see stuff. They'll slam down. Like let's take skiing for instance, right? They'll just like run into a tree almost full speed. And then <laughs> you're like, all right, I just watched a child die. You ski up. You're like, maybe I can help scrape his body off the snow. And he's, he's just laughing. <laughs> right. And, and he's on his way back down the hill in like eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, brushed I, it right off. It's sad, right? They don't tell you how early you start to feel old. We're both in our late twenties by all considerations i don't think we would be considered old at least in our own heads but man you right. feel like it sometimes when you do some of this stuff. it's creeping up man yeah it's creeping up pretty quick but uh yeah speaking of getting loose uh some we we had some guys getting loose on the basketball court this afternoon you alluded to it a little bit i'll let you uh i mean i'm sure all the this fans is, know what so, we're talking about yeah, this was literally 15 minutes ago so we're we're sitting down we're about to start recording and Scott goes, did you see this with Juwan Howard? Like, what are you talking about? And apparently Juwan Howard punched a guy. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah, as we're sitting here, like, all of this is unfolding. Uh, he just basically got finished with his press conference and didn't apologize for anything, which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, like, Juwan Howard punched a, a coach. Like, what, what's going on here, man? I... This is this is the craziest. It's college basketball, so I don't want to throw around too much. Like this is the craziest college basketball story I've seen in in X amount of time. Because again, it's college basketball, but this is nuts, man. A head coach punching another coach, basically inciting a riot, defending his players by saying, "Like, yeah, I'm glad they stuck up for me and up for each other." Like. Oh man, that it's a bad look, dude. This is a bad look. Messy, messy, messy. Yeah, I mean it's it 
puts the is Tom Izzo in control of his emotions conversation in a whole new light. Um, and we won't, I don't want to dive down that Avenue. I think it's a pretty fruitless conversation, but, uh, yeah, Michigan there. I mean, we were talking about this, Juwan Howard, he's got one of those, uh, alumni sponsored, um, booster sponsored positions, right? It's a so-and-so head basketball coach. I don't know the names, but if you're that booster, right. And your, your name is plastered on his title as head basketball coach. You can't like to seeing what you're seeing here. Um, I don't know if he'll, he'll certainly get suspended. I don't, I think the only way he gets, he loses his job is if Michigan's looking for a way out or if, uh, you know, enough boosters dig their heels in. I, I don't really think that'll happen, but a messy look, an ugly scene. Um, and I, I'm more surprised by his press conference, honestly, I think, than, yeah. than, than actually what happened because people lose control of their emotions. It's awful. It shouldn't have happened, but it does happen. But to have 10, 15 minutes to cool off, to get in front of the microphones and then basically just say like, yeah, he, he pissed me off and uh, I'm glad my players <laughs> backed me up. I Like, like here we go, to- Scott. I've... I have no PR experience whatsoever, no PR training like I'm sure they get hours and hours of before taking a job this big. Here we go. I go up to the press conference, microphones in front of my face. All right, guys, I I know you have a lot of questions for me. I know things got out of hand out there. Uh, I'll address those when the when the time is right. Uh, But, you know, I I let my emotions get the best of me. Uh, I'm supposed to be. Uh, a leader uh, of these young men and and I set a bad example out there and you know we had a tough loss and uh you know we're going to regroup and, and we're going to be better for it so uh you know I I apologize for my actions and uh and that's all for today so uh we'll talk to you guys later this week boom that was what 30 seconds there you go Kevin Parker had basketball coach what, Michigan basketball what are you doing Jawad like yeah like, it's not that hard it's really not that hard. Well, we'll see. Maybe by the time this drops, or certainly by the time some of you folks are listening to this, we'll have more info on the repercussions. I'd imagine the Big Ten will move pretty quick on this, maybe tomorrow uh, being Monday, the day that you folks will uh, will hear this for the first time. Uh, maybe we'll hear something. And, I mean, I'm sure whether it's through his own volition or through his athletic department handlers, he's, he's going to have to make a stronger – apology a stronger stronger statement than he did after this game so it's it's certainly not over um we're going to be hearing about this probably the whole week and uh i don't know it takes a little bit of attention off the fact that michigan state basketball is in a dreadful place right now yeah we're Um, not going to talk about that but we're not going to talk about that (laughs) we don't have to uh speaking of juan howard former nba player i i might add uh football season's over i know Uh, Trust me, we are just as upset about it as you guys are. But our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook are here to, uh, you know, ease the pain a little bit. And if you're a hoops fan, DraftKings Sportsbook is is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They have an offer as too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team, get $150 in free bets. If they win, it's that simple. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still Take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with daily fantasy basketball contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network. 
of which you're a proud member. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. You know, as as uh, you know, former or current gamblers, uh, bet responsibly. Don't be idiots out there. So we have a mailbag to get to here. We got a couple good questions, and uh, first, I just want a quick take here because it kind of leads into a lot of the the questions that we have today. Uh, Scott, I know you listened to Josh Pate, the late kick with Josh Pate. We've re- referenced him on the show a few times here. And uh, he was in the good graces of MSU Twitter this week when he somebody asked him a mailbag question on on his podcast. It's a national college football podcast. He is of 24-7 sports and CBS. So somebody asked him in a mailbag, basically, what do you think about Mel Tucker looking forward? Is it possible that he could win a, a national title in the next decade? And Josh Pate, Again, national guy has nothing to do with Michigan State, lives in like Nashville, um, SEC homer, but you know, I won't hold that too much against him. He basically said, like, ah, I wouldn't be shocked. And and you know, went on to reference Clemson, as we have on this very podcast a few times as kind of a blueprint, right? You get the right quarterback along with, you know, uh, a really talented roster, and anything's possible. And, and with the transfer portal. Nowadays, it's it's becoming more and more possible to get that, you know, stud quarterback in, in a place that's not Alabama, Oklahoma, USC. But yeah, I mean, like when you saw that, I, I know you listen, like, what were you thinking? I mean, a national title in the next decade, because I, I sat there for a long time and I was just thinking, I appreciate the take and, and look at I want everybody to think about because it's easy to throw the hyperbole on Twitter, right? It's easy to go out, well, only one title. How about three in the next decade? Like that, that's fun and, and it's exciting and whatever. It's Twitter. But I mean, I, I sat there and thought about it and I closed my eyes and I tried to, to paint the picture, right? I'm in the stadium or I'm on my couch and the clock hits zero. There's green and white confetti falling down from AT&T Stadium, let's say. And Mel Tucker is holding up that trophy as, I don't know, who is it? Uh, Kirk Herbstreit is saying, and Michigan State, your 2029 national champions. And, like, yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty shocked. <laughs> I mean, like, it's something we haven't done as a program for 60 years. So, like, for the people saying, like, well, who would be shocked? It's like, all right, come on. You know, we've been fans of this team for a long time. So, like, I think we have to find some medium between, like, surprised and shocked. Maybe there's something in the middle there. But, 
winning a national title man again we haven't done it in 60 years so like it's fun to do the hyperbole stuff on twitter and i think it's possible but yeah i would i would be shocked (laughs) yeah i mean i'm gonna use one of the like the most cliche metaphors here probably ever used in, in climbing a mountain um so you've got this new kid, right? New kid on the block who's trying to climb Mount Everest. You know, let's say there's only a few dozen people who have ever done it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And you're like, I've never heard of you. Let's see it. And and you do like the first thousand feet as well as anyone's ever done it. Right. And you're like, people are looking and they say, well, I wouldn't be surprised if you made it to the top, but there's 10,000 feet left. I mean, the reality is we have had one good season under Mel Tucker and there are a lot of football teams and football programs who have had one good season. I mean, most football programs have had one good season. Um, There's a lot to be done. We're on the right trajectory, but some of the hardest parts are are yet to be done. I mean, we still haven't cracked into the the elite talent in the country in any, and this isn't a slight on the guys that we have or the guys that we're recruiting now, but but let's face it. If we get a top hundred player, it's news for five years. If the the teams winning national championships don't get multiple top hundred players. It's a bad year. Uh, there's a long way to go. And that's just recruiting guys, let alone on the field results. I mean, we, we were down by almost 50 against Ohio state at halftime this year. Um, would I be shocked? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for like you said, it's been like 60 years since we won a national championship. Um, for all intents and purposes, the conversation we're having now in the modern game of college football, we've never won a national championship. I mean, those ones, they essentially don't matter. Um, Right. So you're basically starting from scratch to winning a national championship. You look at the teams that are winning national championships. Now Clemson's a great example, but Clemson is one team in 130 that did that. And every single one of those teams is trying to make that leap, except maybe half a dozen who have already, who are already there. Um, I'd be shocked because the odds are against us. I mean, even if we're, we have the most momentum of any program in the country, the odds are still against us to win a national championship in the next 10 years. I'd be shocked. I'd be stunned. I would be floored. I mean, if I, if you had to put your life savings on whether we would win one or not in the next 10 years, I know where your money would go. (laughs) Um, That's not to say I don't think it's possible. And that's not to say I don't love where the program's going. Um, But I would be shocked because in the same way, I'd be shocked anyone from the Big Ten, barring maybe Ohio State, winning. Yeah, I was going to say Ohio State years. wouldn't completely shock me, but no. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like you said, like there's there's a big difference, and again, it's fun on Twitter, but like there's a big difference between like I could see it, and I would be shocked. Like I could see it happening. I'm not saying like oh that'll never happen, but like. Again, if you're listening out there and you saw the headline and you're like, well, yeah, duh, like really take a second. No, you know, turn off the podcast, turn it back on when you're done. Like, don't don't just kind of leave us hanging here, but turn off the podcast, close your eyes and really try to picture that green confetti holding the national championship trophy ESPN headline, you know, Michigan State national chip. Like you would be shocked. You would be you would be so shocked and it would be awesome and we're all hoping it happens but like you know it's it's not like an expectation that we're going to win a title for Mel Tucker it is for the coaching staff it is for the players it is but for fans like we're not there yet right? I mean let's, think about this so 
you're talking about winning every game you should win on your on your schedule. Plus, you beat Michigan, you beat Penn State, you beat Ohio State all in the same year. You beat an Iowa or Wisconsin or whoever semi-strong team comes out of the West just to get out of the conference, and then you beat like an Alabama and a Clemson or an Alabama and an Oregon or an Alabama and an Oklahoma all in the same year. Mm -hmm. Maybe you lose one game. Maybe you drop one to Penn State. I don't know. That's a lot to do in one year. And I don't know. It's just, it's a tall order. We're certainly laying the groundwork, but even then you can have the best foundation built ever and never, I mean, Oregon, it felt like, doesn't it feel like in the last 15 years, Oregon's won a national championship? Because right. they were up uh, they've in been that there. echelon and they didn't win. Yeah, they've been to the national title game twice, couldn't get it done, been to the playoff, like, but it's really, 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 really hard to win a national title when Alabama I, I like I looked at this while you were talking. You mentioned the top 100 guys. Like Michigan State does it pretty rarely, and and hopefully that'll turn around. It looks like it will, right? We're on that right recruiting trajectory that you know, we're going to start signing some of these guys more often. But Alabama had 15 in this class, and they weren't the number one class in the country. Like, <laughs> we, I know stars aren't everything, but they are a lot, and uh, you got a lot, a lot, a lot of ground to make up there. Yeah, a yeah. lot I mean, of ground. Oklahoma, to make up. Oklahoma's been one of the strongest, consistent powers in the FBS over the last decade. Their last national championship was 2000. Right. I mean, well, and, and with Oklahoma is a good example too. think about how much talent they've had, how many points they've scored. The great. And, you know, you can say, well, they don't play any defense. They've had defensive players go into the NFL and they've made the playoff multiple times and haven't even sniffed a title for all intents and purposes. They haven't been close. Yeah. And they've been in the playoffs like routinely. It's Four really playoffs hard. in the last six or seven years, 2015, 17, 18, 19. And they're 0 4 in the playoffs. Uh, right. They had that one overtime game with Georgia. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it, it's tough. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. So, so to turn that, um, you know, we got a couple questions. We, we put out a little mailbag, got a couple good ones here that we'll address. And the first question that, you know, we're taking that from like a 10 year, uh, you know, kind of conversation to Jason Bailey who's asking us about our, you know, honest expectations for Mel Tucker this year. And, uh, you know, full disclosure here, Jason Bailey, I, I happen to know him. He's a podcast host on our network with the South End Zone podcast. He's not a Michigan State guy, so it's interesting to kind of get some other uh, opinions in here. He says seven to eight wins. Anything more than that should be extra. So when we talk expectations, the way that my brain takes that conversation is anything less than that is a problem right anything less than that is disappointing or or makes you upset however you want to phrase it so scott i'm gonna we're gonna play a little game here uh i have not really prepared you for this but it's a very simple game so hopefully everybody can uh can follow the rules i'm gonna give you a number and just tell me would you be disappointed by this number all right pretty simple uh, okay. I'm going to group four numbers together because I think I know the answer. Zero to four wins in 2022. Of course, I'd be wildly disappointed in that. <laughs> right. 
I thought that would be a quick one. Now, you know, before we get to to the other ones here, I will pull up the schedule. So again, you know, we have uh, from the, the crossover games, Wisconsin is on the schedule here this year, uh, which is notable of the non-conference games at Washington. Um, so obviously you've got the Big Ten East, but it starts off versus Western Michigan, versus Akron at Washington, versus Minnesota at Maryland, versus Ohio State, versus Wisconsin at Michigan, at Illinois, versus Rutgers, versus Indiana at Penn State. I know I went through that pretty quick, but just a quick refresher. Basically, the non-Big Ten East, you have the Western and Akron, you have at Washington, and then you have versus Minnesota, versus Wisconsin at Illinois. Those are the non-division games. So, uh, Scott, five and seven, probably missing out on a bowl game. Five and seven, disappointed, yes or no? Five and seven exactly, or five to seven wins? Five wins. Sorry, like five and seven as the record. Oh yeah, five no, wins. that would be that would be disappointing. Disappointing, Certainly. problematic, however we want to phrase it, right? Six wins. Sneak into a bowl game. I mean, you get a consolation a little bit, but to lose six of those games, I mean, okay, so there's a difference, right, between being disappointed and being surprised. I think I'd still be both disappointed and surprised if we went six and six, maybe seven and six with a bowl win. Uh, I think we're still in the range of of both disappointed and surprised. Okay. Seven wins. Still disappointed. Okay. I I think you're starting to get into the realm of possibility, right? Let's say the offensive line doesn't come together, the running game is nothing, the defense doesn't improve. You could I could make an I can make a I can build a roadmap in my head towards that being possible this year. Yep. So so that's where, so we're doing this without any context, just what's the final record, right? Seven wins for me is when you start approaching a con barring context, it might be acceptable, right? If you tell me like, you know, some shit went south, you know, like your quarterback was hurt for a couple weeks, you had you know, one of those like crazy, you fumbled three times and the other team had a kick return touchdown and you lose one of those like Illinois or Maryland games, right? Like you just had a couple weird bounces of the ball that, that led to a couple really close losses. You had some, not just injuries because every team deals with injuries, but like injuries to the most important players, like if you told me a few of those things happened and you went, you won seven games, that's where I'm like, all right, if the context is, you know, kind of aligning with it, I could accept seven, yeah, but that's the floor, I think under right? seven, right. I think under seven is when it's like, all right, I don't really care what happened with some of the teams you're lining up against Indiana one Rutgers two, Illinois, three Maryland, four, uh Akron five, Western Michigan six, like, and you can't win one of the other games, right? Like, I don't really care what happened. You you've got to do better than that. But seven is when you start getting into context, barring context, I can deal with it, right? So eight wins is that, you know, 
I'm assuming eight that wins, that would be still there's still a hue of disappointment on eight wins, right? Okay. You're coming off of a 11 win season and you go, I don't know, you throw a bowl win in there, nine and four. You got a pretty decent taste in your mouth and you feel all right, back to back nine win seasons, but eight and five. I mean, you're uh, you're yeah. feeling a little like, was it just was it just Kenneth Walker? You know, you got a little bit of that and like, well, what's next year going to bring? You know, are we just an eight win team now? And this is where we talked about last year. We tried to bring it up a few different times throughout the season. Like, enjoy last year while we had it. Enjoy that, you know, as a fan, no expectations. Every win is awesome. Like, enjoy that while we had it because it's gone already. Uh, you know, if if we're talking, we're having this conversation about eight wins being disappointing. That means a few of those games, like a... I don't know, a Wisconsin, a Penn State, a Minnesota, Washington, right? Where, you know, last season, those would have been awesome wins. Just fun. Everybody's having a good time. This year, it's going to be like, whew. All right. Well, we got past Minnesota. What do we got next week? Like, it's we're on to the next one. And those expectations change real quick when you have a 10-win season. So, it or 11 back to, season, uh, I say. It goes back to Nick Saban's rant. I, I don't know. It was probably about a month ago now, maybe even two, where he was, yeah, he was, was in a, like a midweek press conference, right? And one of the reporters asked him, I don't even remember what the question was, but he, he basically lost his cool. And he was like, you guys don't even like winning anymore. You just hate losing. Like there's no, there's, there's no room for error anymore at all. It's just either you win, everybody's satisfied kind of but even if it look doesn't look pretty and you don't win by 50 people are still upset or you lose and the world's on fire we're obviously not at that point but we've talked about this there's expectations now and with expectations comes pressure comes really stress less enjoyment watching it we have expectations for the msu basketball team by and large msu basketball is like a pretty good team this year but there's a lot of disappointment around them right now because it's we're expecting unbearable to to for watch. titles yeah <laughs> right i mean and like we went down to the wire with the best one of the two, best two teams in the conference twice, lost to both of them, and and the fans are pissed. I mean, we're right there. We just don't quite have the juice this year, and uh, and there's a lot of disappointment and frustration around it. That's what comes with expectations. So yeah, right. this year and and going forward under Mel Tucker, and and to Mel Tucker's credit, he has set the bar here. You know, he he keeps saying we want to compete for titles. All right, well. If that's what the coach says, that's what the fans are going to look for. So that's the bar we're mm-hmm. going to measure the program against now, too. Right. And I, and I love having a coach that embraces that, right? Like he he is talking about national championships at Michigan State, which I love. And he's bringing it on himself and he's taking that responsibility, which is great. But again, as a fan, like sp- purely speaking from our you know perspective, um, yeah, it's it's just objectively less enjoyable on a week to week basis. Now, hopefully, it leads to Big Ten championship games, playoff games, which are more fun. From from personal experience, we you know we were students twenty thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, but um, but yeah, it's you know week to week throughout the whole Big Ten schedule and and everything. It's yeah, it's more stressful. It's not as enjoyable. Um, so going from there, we had Elijah Harnes, who asked, what is a reasonable expectation for the Michigan State defense as a whole next year? And I think these are kind of fun. Like, you know, we it it, it 
the mailbag really settled in on 2022 expectations when we're in mid-February. But I, I do think it's kind of a fun time for it, almost because the roster's not 100% set yet. And we're barely into you know off-season workouts, and we haven't seen any spring practices yet. Like The time for predictions and, and everything, and context, again, like will come. But I, I do think this is kind of a fun time to just kind of take a look at the program after two years of Mel Tucker and just say like, all right, what are we really expecting right now? Without really knowing what we have on either side of the ball, without really knowing who's going to be starting and, and all of that, just from a year to year perspective now from the program, like what do we expect? Um, I think this is a good time for it. So the defense, um, I just, for me, expectations for the defense, again, for me, that means less than this and it's problematic. I think the expectation should be top half of the country, top half of the league in, I'll just call the three major defensive categories, right? So points per game, which is obviously the most important, uh, yards per game, yards per play. I'll just kind of throw those. I know, you know, we can get analytical here, but just to kind of make it simple points per play, uh, uh, sorry, yards per play, yards per game, points per game, top half of the country and top half of the big 10. I think those should be expectations year three of a staff, with year three of a defensive coordinator, of a defensive-minded head coach, with Harlem Barnett. You know, I know Ron Burton's gone, but like you have a couple mainstays there who have been for you have been coaching for a long time. You've had three years to whether it's through the transfer portal recruiting, get some of your own guys in the building who are supposed to, you know, run your scheme. You recruited them to run this specific scheme. Like if you can't accomplish top half of the league. After three years, I think that's starting to get problematic. So that was kind of where I where I went with this question. But you know, do you have another way to look at it, Scott, in terms of twenty twenty two defense expectations? Well, I'm going to turn this back on you before I answer that because I I think there's some important data points here. So the twenty twenty one season, Kevin. For the I record, going, I didn't look at any of this. Before I, that's I, where I, that's I where I'm that. headed. So there's 130 <laughs> FBS teams. Um, let's start with opponents' total yards per game. If you had to guess, I'll give you within 15 spots. All right, let's see if you can get this right. So, so out of 130 teams, total game. yards allowed per game, can you get within 15 spots? I would guess that we were 82nd. We were 112th by <laughs> far of these three, by far the worst. I guess so. so I did. I you kind of forget how high the passing yeah, <laughs> yards yeah. were. <laughs> the passing yards per game were atrocious. So half okay. and 65th, right? So 65th right. was so we were way off pace. UCLA though. with 387, and we had 453. So you're talking about taking about. 70 65 70 yards a game okay not bad that could come That's entirely reasonable. from the passing yeah. defense and i wouldn't right. be shocked right easily yeah 
All right. So yards per play. All right. So same question out of 130 teams. Can you get within 15? This one, I I remember kind of monitoring it through the year and at least through like eight, nine weeks, we were decent in yards per play because that was what like Michigan State Twitter that was trying to defend the defense would always reference it. But by the end of the year, I'm going to go with, I feel like we were right around there. I'm going to go with like 68th. Oh, it's a little nicer than that. 69. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, technically, we were tied for 63rd, into that one. so 63 to 71, also 5.5. I'm sure okay. if we added more decimal no, points. I'll count that. You're right on. Yeah, it's a win. You spot on. So 5.5 yards per play. Um, so ha- actually, we were tied for with the 65th team. So we were average, exactly average uh, in opponent's yards per play. So that so, meets bo- baseline expectation. So here's... In your context of saying we need to be in the top half, but you want to take 65 yards off, obviously there's some other things in there, but would you take a small step back in like rushing yards allowed per attempt to to shore up the, the passing game? Yeah, for sure. You would. For sure. So loosen up the yeah. box a little bit and, and get your shit straight, pardon me, uh, over the top. All yeah, right. I mean, at the end of the day, like – What's giving up an extra twenty rushing yards per game when like i i'm I don't really lean into the analytical side of football too much, but at the end of the day the the ceiling for a typical passing play in terms of like explosiveness and the ceiling for a typical rushing play, a passing play is typically gonna get you a higher probability of that 40, 50 yard shock sure. play that can change a game. So yeah. Yeah. All right. So third stat here, opponents points per game points allowed per game. However you want to word it. Uh, same question. Can you get within 15? Uh, um, this is tough. Cause it's, a, it's another stat. I know we were doing decent, but then down the stretch, we played Purdue, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State could have put up 80. <laughs> so they were generous to keep that number a little lower. I'll go right in the middle again. I'll go I'll go 73rd, a little past halfway. So we're actually in the top half. This was our best of the three stats. 55th at 26.3. Um points allowed per game um so we're improving and i'll add one more kind of spice here a little more flavor Uh, i won't make a guess on this one unless you want to opponents points per play so a little more analytical we're kind of getting into the weeds here um but opponents points per play do you want to take a stab at it so if the points if the points per game were a upper half I know the opponents ran a bunch of plays against us too. So, um, yeah, I would say upper half. Like, I don't want to, I don't have any number yeah. in mind, but 27th. So, okay. Again, that doesn't really matter if you can't get off the field on third down. And that was the big issue with this defense, right? right? Is that they were just facing so many plays every week. Um, but to bring this back full circle to the original question here, what are the expectations for the defense? Uh, 
I don't even care if we allow 26 points per game. You got to get off the field, though. You, you just can't be on the field as much as they were. You can't be giving up 450 yards per game. I mean, really, I want to see, obviously, an improvement in points per game as well. If you can keep it under, like, three touchdowns, that would have put you in the top 20 this year. Um, is that a reasonable expectation? I don't know, but you got to get at least close in that 21 to 23 average, um, especially with not knowing how this offense will be without Kenneth Walker. We don't know how the offensive line will be. The defense is going to have to take a bigger workload this year. Um, and and I think the offense can help with this too, obviously staying on the field, sustaining drives. We right. had and a shock offense that scored and that's where defensive defensive yards per game as a total stat like a lot of that is offense too sure so yeah so get down into the low 20s per game if you're under 20 points allowed per game you've got almost an elite defense i mean that would have put us in the top 15 last year if you're under 20 points per game so uh yeah if you can if you can shave three to five points off your average and just be consistent, right? I mean, you can't go out to Ohio State and and give up. I don't even remember. I mean, I think I blocked it out of my memory. But forty nine at halftime. I mean, that's you just yeah. can't. No one will ever respect you as a big time program if you're giving up points like that. Even if you let Youngstown State, you know, thirty five twenty one, people forget about games like that. People don't forget about giving up a fifty piece in in a half of football. Um, yeah. So that's my expectation. Just figure out how to get off the field on third downs, which means clean up the pass defense and, and shave, I don't know, four ish points off your average. Right. And again, we're talking expectations here, right? When I'm saying like top half in all these categories, it's if we end up 50th in all of them, like I'm not thrilled, but if that's the result, I'm not calling for Scotty Hazleton's head. Right. So we're, we're talking expectations. We're not talking, um, you know, projections or, or we're hoping for this, this is anything less than this. And, and we're starting to have some serious conversations. So um, yeah, anything less than an, a league average countrywide average defense. Yeah. We're, we're going to have some problems. And, and to your point too, like if, if still we can't get off the field on third down and still we can't, you know, just put the offense back on the field and give ourselves a chance. Like, we're going to have to start having some conversations here that, that I don't really want to have. So that's where we're at with it. Let's end on a fun one here, Scott. Uh, our buddy, Scott L. Brown, at SL Brownie on Twitter. Alternate uniform from this year that should be kept forever. We had a lot of different helmet combinations. We had the neon jerseys, right? And the alternate uniform from this year that should be banned forever as well as the alternate uniform that you would design if you were in charge. Hashtag SD for L Spartan Dice for life. And like shout it. out here to uh, a Twitter account that you turned me on to right when we were trying to research this question at MSU uni tracker, MSU Spartans uniform tracker. They have some graphics here that are very helpful for this question. So shout out MSU uni tracker. All right, so let's dig into this. Um, we actually only had one alternate uniform this season, and that was the neon um, when we're talking fabric jerseys here. You mentioned a lot of different helmet combinations. Just to recap, we had our, our dark green with our white Spartan head. We had our all white with the dark green Spartan head. 
had the dark green with the neon Spartan head matched with the neon Jersey. Um, we had the script state, the green script stayed on white. You had the green gruff Sparty on white and you had the throwback Perlis era block S on one side with the numbers on the forehead with the blank on the other side. So those were all the different, I'm not going to go through what uh, helmets were matched with what uniforms. <laughs> if I'm eliminating one, let's get this out of the way. I would be surprised if anyone had an alternate opinion. If we have to get rid of one, it's the neons. They have grown on I know. me like 1% since I first saw the them. The players They're- love them, dude. I don't get it. Like you can, you can love neon while hating these jerseys. They're, they're objectively <laughs> They're horrible. The, the like dark the green team- plus neon. What are we yeah, doing, man? The basketball team did the black with the neon, and like, it was a That's different fine. look. It was okay. That's it was fine. fine. It it was it worked. It wasn't my favorite, but it worked. The green with the other green, and then you've <laughs> got like so the green state bad. with the white numbers. It's get rid of it. And you know, like I said, it's grown on me like a little bit when they got rid of the neon pants, but not enough to want to keep wearing them. Just can we retire them? Have we worn them enough? I don't know what right. the contract of Nike says. Just burn them and. And if the players want neon, we can do neon. I'm fine with neon. I don't love it, but I'm fine with it. Just do it different. This right. is still just so bad, man. I can't. So, so yeah, ban that forever. If I have to keep one, just because I think it will stand the tests of time through trends, through everything, it's the it's the green on green helmet. And and especially with the all green uniform as well, what we wore against Michigan with the green Spartan head with the white outline against the green helmet with no helmet stripe is such an intimidating, aggressive look. Um, I love the script state. I love the gruff Sparty. Don't get me wrong. I love the George Perlis throwback helmets. But I think if you look at what are we going to keep in the repertoire forever, it's got to be the all green helmet, right? I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I think I would pull this out as our big game. Like, you know, we, we always did the all greens, like in, you know, with the D'Antonio, the all greens were like the big game kind of look right for the big 10 championship for the Rose bowl, green Jersey, green pants, adding this little tiny wrinkle to it. I love it. And this would be the, the big game jerseys, right? Green, 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 fantastic look 100% with you I yeah script state awesome although it's like weirdly small maybe just increase the font size on that a little bit I think that would help gruff pretty awesome I'm with you the block s awesome but yeah if, if we had to just keep one that little addition of the green sparty with just the white outline for that Michigan game that that was a great look and, and of course like man. it was the most yeah and, and of course, it was the most like memorable game, and that helps. But when you pull that thing out, that that's a good look. So that that should be the big game mo- jersey moving forward. I'm a hundred percent all in on that. All right. So if I'm if I'm designing my own jersey, and I know I'm not alone here, um, it's going to be for the the first game of the year, Labor Day weekend at home, under the lights. Right? Maybe you're playing Western Michigan. Give me an all black with like a white Spartan head, white numbers, just black and white. I Maybe you could integrate green. Maybe you could integrate the old bronze in, in a tasteful way, but I don't, I'll save the details for a graphic designer. Give me a black lid with a black jersey 
with black pants, with black socks, with black shoes, make the visiting team. Like I said, Western Michigan, I've seen them in all whites. That's a sharp look. Put those two against each other, night one under the lights, make it a blackout at the stadium. Uh, I know we love to steer into the dark green, and I, I still love that, and I don't want to replace that. But I've always wanted to see a blackout. I think you could do some great stuff. I think the sharpness of the logo is perfect against a black field. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. I've seen opinions that hate the idea and I've seen plenty of people who love it. I personally have always wanted to see that look. I no, I agree. I think black would be awesome. I don't know about week one because that would just be super hot. <laughs> like temperature wise. <laughs> that well, would be tough. Oh yeah. Cause the sun doesn't even go down that time of year till like nine does it. So, all right. All right, maybe like the week three or four night game. Usually they sneak one more in there. I'll give it to you. So for me, I'll I'll take first of all, I'll take the cheating route because it's a jersey that already exists. And I think it was the best look that we've ever pulled out, and it's not even close. The 2011 Nike Pro Combats against Michigan were the greatest alternate jersey michigan state has ever worn the bronze helmet with green spartan you had the the green base jersey with the black shoulder stripe and the black spartans the black pants and then the golden or the bronze numbers there was a bronze spartan on the side of the pants that was incredible i thought that was just so well done it was subtle. It you know, it wasn't too flashy. It wasn't the neon. It was it was oh, that was a great jersey. Um, I loved the other pro combats too that we pulled out. I think it was the Oregon game at home, right? In twenty fifteen. With mm-hmm. the it was it was really similar. It had the the bronze was a bit darker, but the 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 big change was that the you had the white numbers so the mm-hmm. numbers and then it had like msu on the shoulder that stood out a lot more but the 2011 ones were incredible so bring those back that's that's my first answer uh but my second answer which you know kind of designing my own jersey i'm like i'm still i i love the black idea um I, I would incorporate the gold, the the bronze. I would do kind of a black and bronze look with like a green accent. So it would be a black base jersey with bronze numbers. And then like, I'm not a great designer, but if, if you did something in dark green, like on the sleeves or down kind of the, the side of the uniform, maybe like not like a piping or something, but like, you know, with... Uh, the Michigan State basketball, they do that kind of uh, that like print down the yeah. side. Like we had something similar to that in, in some kind of green, maybe white, but I, I don't really want to include white. I want it to be an all dark kind of look. And it would be, yeah, it would be black bronze and then kind of a not as dark of a green, but, you know, kind of a darker green. And then the helmet also black with a with a bronze spartan i think nice. that would be an awesome look i just, man i i love those 2011 jerseys we wore against michigan so, i would love to see those again those were great 
when I look at them now objectively, I actually like the 2015s more because the bronze is darker. I don't know if that bronze in 2011 would translate personally, my opinion. Um, yeah. These days, it's a little light. Um, but I think that uniform is really special to a lot of Michigan State fans because it was really the first like serious departure from green and white uh, mm-hmm. that really made a splash. It was like right as Oregon was, was really coming out with some really flashy uniforms. People were just starting to talk about alternates. They were starting to really generate buzz around the country and Michigan state rolled out with these. Obviously 2011 was a really special season to boot. So that adds a little bit of uh, a little bit of a nostalgia factor, I think. But personally, I liked the darker bronze. I'd love to see the bronze come back as well. Um, yeah, I like it. I like it. But and was uh, a season we talked to Greg Jones about this with like the those uniforms. It was that like white shoulder stripe on the green, like it was that shoulder stripe era, which was a, a bit weird. Like, I don't, I go back and forth on it. Sometimes I love them, sometimes I hate them, but I hate them. Uh, it was kind of a weird era for, for Michigan State jerseys. So to whip that thing out was awesome. Bring it One back. more uh, sure. question for you. Would you like an alternate to bring back the Kelly Green of the early 2000s? No. <laughs> I'm fine putting that in the rear view. <laughs> but what if it was instead of a neon using that yellowish bright green neon they have like- now? You could you could pull it off, and like I I didn't hate those jerseys. I just think the darker green is so much more tasteful. Like I, I just think it's a much better, cleaner. I look. agree. I'd love to see some designs, so, but I, I'd be surprised if they were better than what we have going now. Yeah, there was some. I I would love to give this person credit, but I I I can picture it off the top of my head, but I can't I can't remember who put it out there. If if I do. Uh, I'll I'll shout it out on Twitter. Somebody made, you know, you can go on those websites and design like, you know, uh, your own jerseys. This person made like a concept jersey of a Kelly Green, and it was awesome. It was it was really really well done. Um, I'll try to find that back on my Twitter feed and and maybe retweet it or something. But it could be done. I'm fine putting it in the rearview mirror. I think I think the dark green is a much better look. All right. Well, you heard us, Nike get to it yeah <laughs> nike is definitely listening right now um, all of nike are, yeah i actually i this is a very quick side story before we finish i i had a potential job at a nike golf through like a it was a friend of uh of my aunt who was pretty high up in nike golf and she got me an interview and I was like, all right, this, this could work out here. And the guy, it was just like a really awkward thing. I was like, did he just hate me from like the first minute of this call? Cause he kept saying stuff like, you know, this just isn't really a good opportunity for you, you know? And I found out like three weeks later that Nike golf folded and I was like, I appreciate you, man, <laughs> not bringing me onto a burning ship. Uh, but that's, that's my Nike story. Um, for those who are still listening, at least. So appreciate everybody for listening. You know, all the typical stuff here. We really appreciate any reviews. Uh, we're going to do something with that soon. Once spring football kicks off, we have some contest stuff that we're going to do. Um, but we always appreciate reviews. We always appreciate your feedback. So follow us on social media. Uh, that includes Facebook, the Facebook group, Standing Room Spartans Community. We're looking for some more interaction there. 
And uh, yeah, we might have some big news uh, coming around the corner here. We're still working out, hammering out some details on some things. So stick with us. We're obviously running this thing the whole year. If you're still listening, you know that. If you're new, now you know that. So we appreciate you guys for checking us out. And uh, yeah, until next week, go green. Go white. Take care, folks. Thank you.